I don't know about you, but um, there have been a few times in my life that it was so crystal clear that God prepared me to be in that moment at that time to do that task. And there is nothing more fulfilling of a memory that I have. Um, there were a couple times when I was a parent that I had that moment. There were a couple times when I was wearing a uniform and I had that moment. But the majority of that time has been in a place like this at a time like this. Have you ever had a moment where you knew that God had prepared you to be in such a place at such a time to do such a task? This is us. This is us. And it's not about necessarily about training because God will take care of that. It's not necessarily about resources because God will take care of that too. It's about who you are and what you surrendered to him and how much you trust him. This is us for such a time as this. We're finishing up this series entitled This Is Us. It's a reminder to you and to me about what God has done in our lives, what God is doing in our lives, and what God is going to do, how he's prepared us, and how we can systematically, intentionally, and joyfully fulfill the mission collectively and individually that he's given to us. This is us. I've been talking about... um, how we hope to accomplish this phrase that we say each and every Sunday, we are here to help people find and follow Jesus. And that's kind of a funny phrase anyway. I, I mean, it's not that Jesus is lost, right? right? A friend of mine reminded me of that anyway just a little bit ago. It's that we are. We've, we thought that we were doing okay, and we took just a little bit of a turn off this direction. We thought, uh, I'll, I'll still keep him in view. And we kept on going before you knew it. We had no idea where we were and where we were we didn't like. But God is so good that he faithfully encourages and blesses and reminds and challenges and encourages again to bring us back to him. And having returned, we're so grateful that we say, you know what, I... God, I'm so grateful for the difference that you've made in my life. If you can use me to make that same difference in somebody else's, let's go. This is us. But the change that takes place, in some ways it's understandable. In other ways, sometimes you're not really picking up on it until, it takes, until, until you're already there. And then you look back and you think, oh, God, you were taking care of me all the time. You were providing for me all the time. You were watching out for me all the time. That time when I thought I wanted to go over here and didn't have a good feeling about it, that was you helping me to see or sense something that I hadn't uh, noticed before. That was you doing that. 
How are we transformed? How do we go through those changes? How do we experience those times in life? We, we talked about the transformation process and, and we said that transformation takes place in the beginning. It takes place on purpose. There's an intentionality to the things that we choose to do. Sometimes we choose to no longer be at a place or no longer hang around uh, particular individuals that we know aren't healthy for us. Sometimes uh, we choose to go to a different place, like right here and right now, or the groups that we've talked about. Uh, But we choose to do those things on purpose. There's an intentionality to it, and we are concentrating on those things. So we are transformed on purpose. And we said that the verse that was there that we reminded us was from Romans chapter 12. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this, of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are choosing, choosing to go where God wants us to go, to be who God wants us to be. We can't do it, uh, we can't do it all right away, but we can do a little bit each day, Okay. Uh, We are transformed, number one, on purpose, uh, with intentionality there. And number two, we're transformed over time. We recognize that it it isn't going to happen right away. If we walk 10 miles into the woods, we walk... 10 miles out, <clears throat> but we're becoming more and more like Jesus as we uh, choose on purpose to be like him. And so there's, a, there's a, a contemplation and the person that we're becoming is more than when we were last week and the person that we're becoming is going to be more when we come back next week because that's how we change little by little, bit by bit. And um, we, we, uh, I, we just did really enjoyed that, the verse that we looked at last week from uh, first Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter 3. All of us then reflect the glory of the Lord and that same glory who is the Spirit, God walks with us daily. He encourages us. It's his Spirit in our lives that challenges and encourages and convicts and blesses all those things. That uh, <clears throat> glory, same glory who is the Spirit transforms us into his likeness. And here's that phrase that we locked in on, uh, in an ever greater degree of glory. And, and we said, depending upon, if you're familiar with that verse, depending upon the, uh, how you memorized it, you may have read it from glory to glory. And, 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 and that great blessing that we have there is God gives us the credit for what Jesus has done in our lives. And then, as if that was uh, more than we'd ever asked for, he goes ahead and gives us credit for what Jesus is going to do in our lives. It's, it's the best deal going. And those of you who've experienced that and, and seen it in other people, you know it's the best deal going. And so our lives are transformed on purpose and then over time with uh, concentration and then contemplation. And then lastly, uh, with the connection, that's in community. Um, I like what William Barclay uh, said. He said that... Uh, you cannot understand Christianity apart from community. You just can't. What he means by that is, oh, you can read scripture. You can sing songs. You can have your own quiet prayer time. You can do all of that. You can intellectually and academically and even spiritually grow. But to truly understand Christianity, to truly understand the relationship that we can really and deeply and powerfully have with God, 
it has to take place in community. Now, <clears throat> you know this. You know this because you first learned about the Lord from someone else. And then after that, God led you on to someone else. And then someone else. And then someone's else. And bit by bit, your spiritual circle, your God-intentioned circle becomes larger and larger. And before you know it, there's a whole community of people that you impact and that impact you. And that's what Barclay means by that. You cannot understand Christianity apart from community. There is no such thing as an individual or island believer. Just don't exist. Not deeply anyway. <clears throat> to expand on this, I want to read to you uh, from that same letter that Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians, this time in chapter 5. Listen to what he says here. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How different we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead Come back to God. There's so much power there. In the beginning, he says, uh, we no longer look at people from a human point of view. You know what that looks like? It looks like this. Oh, yeah, I may have made my own mistakes. And there's more than a few people that I've known over, over my lifetime that will call me a jerk. But you're worse. Because I remember what you did. I remember what you did when we were in elementary school. I remember what you did when we were in college. I remember what you did when your wife didn't know you did that. I remember what you did last week at work. See, that's that comparison. That's that scorekeeping one person to another. That's what it means to look at people from a human point of view. But when God covers a person, when God forgives a person, when God restores a person, you and I have to look at them through God lenses. Because it really doesn't seem too healthy to take advantage of the blessing that God gives in his grace and his mercy and yet not allow that same blessing to be applied to someone else when you look at them. And the reason that we're able to do that is the understanding that God's given us about the ministry of Jesus. That's what he was talking about in that ministry of reconciliation where God takes the debt that we have. If you want to use the, the, the banking terms, he takes the debt that we have and applies it to somebody else's account, Jesus. 
and makes, puts you and I back in the black, so to speak. Out of the red. And having done that for us, he helps us then to see how he does it for everyone and can do it for the people that you know. That's the whole point. That's what it means to be transformed in community. To no longer regard people from a human point of view. And to allow God to make his appeal through us. Look what I did for Anthony. Look what I did for Peter. Look what I did for Kimberly. Or us speaking, look what God did for me. He can do this for you. That's what it means to be transformed in community. Now, for each Sunday, we've taken five categories and described what it means to do those things on purpose and over time. Last week, over time. Two weeks ago, on purpose. Today, we're going to do that same, take those same five categories and go through it now in community so that we can see how we're growing. And by the way, while I know that there is a, 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 a commonsensical progression to this. It's not as if <clears throat> you have to go through all of these things all the time. What it means is, for me personally, it, I'm constantly recycling. I, I, I'm thinking that I, I've kind of grown up in one particular area, only to find up that I've got more. Only to find out that I've got more growing to do in that very same area. All right. So it's not that we move from here to here to here, uh, but we grow from place to place, from season to season. And that's what this is about. The first category was worship. We wanted people to worship and we talked about what it meant to worship on purpose. We said that was to just simply focus on God. We're so busy through the rest of the week that we're going to set everything aside and we're going to come in here on this day and and make a difference by just setting aside time for God. We're going to focus on him. Then, when we said uh, uh, worshiping over time, that was worshiping on purpose, focusing on God. Then, worshiping over time meant that we're not just satisfied with the hour per week. We're, we're growing, we're understanding, we're realizing just how much God has done for us and is doing for us that there has to be more. It's not just Sunday morning, it's, it's Monday afternoon, it's Tuesday night, and so on. And so, it's not just focusing on God, it's walking with Him. More and more, day by day, all those kinds of things. And then what happens now is we go from worshiping on purpose to worshiping over time to worshiping in community. And that means that we're now walking with God and we are so grateful that our lives are, have been noticeably changed and we point God out to others. We're letting people know, look what he did. Look what God did. I prayed about this. And it wasn't the answer that I I was looking for. It was better. Uh, It it wasn't the answer I was looking for. He actually protected me from asking for that thing and and, and helped me in those regards. Look what God has done in my life. And people will notice that because they knew you before and now they know you as you walk with him and you're saying, yeah, I know. You know how dumb I was, right? Right, honey, just. um, you, You know how dumb I was, right? But look what, look, you know I'm not that smart. You know I'm not that good. Look what God's done. That, I mean, those are, that's the real thing. That's the real thing. We're, we're pointing others to him and pointing out his activities and his blessings in our lives. That's what it means to worship in community. Now, 
And that's not exclusive to this hour, mind you. It's really out there. It's in your neighborhood. It's when you're at work. It's when you're shopping. It's all of those things. Now, those times uh, uh, set aside, Sally Morgenthaler is, a, is a, a writer about worship, biblical worship, and she wrote a book called Worship Evangelism, and she said that uh, there is nothing more attractive to a non-believer than watching a believer genuinely and authentically worship. Shannon, are you, are you mean like, you know, waving arms and, and singing really, really loud? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Even though that may be how, how you're going to express it, that's not. What I'm talking about is the people that know you. They, they watch you. They see you come to church. And, and, and they not just see you sing there and, and, and honor God, but then they see you in the neighborhood. They see you at work. And they recognize the difference he has made in your life. And it's genuine. And it's real. And they'll look at you and they will either think it and or say it, I want to know what you know. I want to know what you know about God. How did you learn that? Where did you go? And your response is quite simple. Oh man, I'm just getting going. You want to come along with me for the rest? That's what it means to worship in community. We talked about worshiping in community. Then we talked about groups, how we uh, attend groups on purpose because uh, our lives, the way that today's, today's contemporary families uh, live weekly, they try to squeeze 30 hours into a 24-hour day, nine days of activity into, seven day, uh, into a seven-day week. There's no margin. And lots of times we end up doing a whole bunch of things that just spin our wheels. And there's really no return for it. And so we say, you know what, I'm, I, on purpose, I'm going to go to a group. I'm going to set some time aside and, and I'm going to go and I'm going to be a part of a group where uh, I'm around people who want to be around God. And, and <clears throat> so that was uh, being in groups on purpose. Uh, we said that that was growing up, quickly growing up. And then grow, uh, being in groups over time meant that we were growing deep. We were getting to learn from one another about the experiences that we've had and the things that, the, sometimes the really stupid mistakes that we've made or maybe in the, even in the middle of one and, and we just need some encouragement and we need some understanding and, and maybe some resources, some, some prayer to, to kind of get ourselves out of those, uh, those messes. And, and we grow with one another and alongside with one another and we, we laugh when, when things are funny and we cry when things are bad. And, and we just grow together. That's what it means to, to do that over time. But then when it comes <clears throat> uh, to having, uh, being a part of a group in the community, it means not just simply growing up or growing deep. It means growing out. What do you mean by that, Shan? It, what I mean is you're sitting at that kitchen table. You're sitting at, uh, uh, in the living room and, and somebody shares a, a story and you're thinking, oh my goodness, that was me two years ago. 
and you say, I know what you're going through. I understand how you're doing that. Or maybe somebody, you're sharing the story and somebody says, I was there two years ago and I understand exactly what you're going through. Let me tell you how you do this. And you're listening to the story and you think, oh man, I wish my friend was here to, to listen to this. I wish my, my wife or my husband were here to listen to this. Ask them to come. Will they come the first time? I don't know. You don't either. Will they come the 10th time? Maybe. But ask. That's what it means to grow up. Maybe there's a neighbor that needs to, uh, that's going through a divorce that's just absolutely exhausted and has nowhere to turn. Maybe there's someone that has an addiction and they're sick and tired of being sick and tired and they just want to be around people who have been through it themselves and know how to get healthy and how to stay healthy. That's what it means to grow out, to invite them in and to show them the hope of Jesus, the love of Jesus And the wisdom that goes along with it. That's what it means to grow out. I I, want to give you this formula. I I need you guys to to lock into this. This is kind of, and if you want to, you can write this down on the cards that we have there. But uh, I I need you to think about this. Because, uh, 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 go ahead and put the change slide up there. Um, Every once in a while, you might need a change of pace. A change of pace means going to some place that's different or not going to some place that's unhealthy for you. Uh, you. You may need to change. You may need to just slow down. You might just have to say no every once in a while. Okay? A, a, a change of pace plus a change of place. You know right now as I'm talking there are some places that you have gone that you don't need to go. And sometimes it's not geographical, it's mental, it's emotional. But it's hard to do that because you're in an environment that prevents you from going to a healthy place. But you need a change of place. You need a different environment or you need to stay away from environments that are not good for you. A change of pace plus a change of place plus a change of people. Does anybody know someone that you really shouldn't hang around with? All right. Some of you are smiling. Some of you are looking down. Some of you just are looking around at your phones wondering, is there a text or something that I can read rather than talk about this right now? Some people are not good for us. You know it and I know it. And sometimes they're even in church. Yeah, I said that. Because we all grow at a different pace. And sometimes there's some real hard decisions that even believers are afraid to make. There's some real hard submissions that need to take place that believers are just afraid to trust God on. A change of pace plus a change of place plus a change of people equals a change of perspective. You can see things better. You understand things more. God uses us to make a difference like that. Because sometimes it's just not possible to get healthy in the same place you got sick. All right? 
And that's why we encourage groups so much. And sometimes there are challenges in your ability to attend or participate, but we're growing our groups and we're, we're trying to add them as often as we possibly can because I know sometimes there are distance issues and there are timing issues, and, but we're trying to grow them as quickly and as effectively as we possibly can to give people the opportunity to have a change of pace and a change of place and a change of people to get a change of perspective. That's what we're trying to do. So we worship over time. We uh, expand our group. I'm sorry. We worship in community. We expand our groups in community. And we also serve in our community. When we said uh, that we serve on purpose, we originally talked that you just serve wherever you see a need. Hey, is there somebody needs some help over there? I'm just going to go do it. Then we transition to serving uh, on purpose, to serving over time. And we recognize that as we get that change of perspective, we begin to see how God's prepared us and could quite possibly have prepared us for such a time as this because of the ability that he's given to us, the opportunity that he's given to us, the resources that he's given to us. And so we don't just serve wherever there's a need. We serve where we are gifted. That's serving over time. And when it comes to serving in community... It means that we serve where God sends us. We've recognized, wait a second, God, you've prepared me for this. I've grown up and I've learned about that and I can do this and you've helped me to to succeed in certain ways and suddenly somebody talks about an opportunity and God, it's time for me to go where you send me. Watch this video for a little bit. goals of outreach are to serve the people where we live and to serve with those people. We will put on several events every year and we want you to serve with us. We also want you to ask your friends to serve with us. This is a great way to introduce people to Jesus and to Crosspoint. We can't wait for people to come to us. We have to go where they are. If you're interested in finding out more information about outreach, head to the Connect page on our website. So some of you know that we uh, have been growing and developing this outreach team, and they have done a lot of really good work in the last few months. Now, when I say they've done good work, I'm not talking about finding these amazing things to do. I'm talking about establishing really specific criteria for what we do and why we do it. That, the beginning of that is a, a lot more important than just going and helping somewhere so that we feel good about ourselves. There has to be a purpose to all of that. And you, you heard uh, Bob say that we can't wait for them to come to us. We've got to go to where they are. And one of the criteria that we have is to not just simply do things ourselves, but do things with people in the community. And so we literally get uh, two birds for one stone, so to speak. We not only accom- pardon me, accomplish something for the community, but we also work with people that we might help them find and follow Jesus while we're accomplishing that effort for the community. And we've, already, we, we've picked our first uh, event. We are not necessarily doing the things that churches are stereotypically known for doing. And so we've decided that we're going to partner with a local organization. At, it's a national organization, I should say, with a local office. It's called Birthright. Birthright has an office in Taunton, and they specialize in helping uh, mothers with unplanned pregnancies. And so what we're going to have 
on the Saturday before Mother's Day this year, that's Saturday, May 11, we're going to have the Crosspoint 5K. And we're going to run, and we're going to have people run. And, and, and at, at one time, we're going to have people just, uh, the first uh, horn that'll go off are people that want to just run. Then the next horn that goes off are people that just want to walk. And the next uh, horn that goes off are people who thought they were going to walk with their kids and end up putting their kids either in a stroller or on their back or dragging them down the trail. Something like that. Something along those lines, okay? But <clears throat> one way or another, we're going to have the cross point 5K, and all the proceeds that we get <clears throat> and can give are going to go to birthright. But <clears throat> we figured out... Uh, just this past week, we need 60 volunteers to make this 5K happen. But we only want half of them from the church. The other half are going to come from the community, from your friends, from people that you know. Hey, you want to volunteer for uh, a 5K where we're going to benefit uh, mothers who are front planned? Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, who's doing that? Oh, it's my church, but you don't have to come to church. Don't worry. All you got to do is help on a 5K. That's great. But while you're helping on the 5K and, and passing out water and, and encouraging people uh, on the trail, they're getting to know you. You're getting to know them. And if you already know them, they're getting to know you better. And you're getting to know them better. And maybe some seeds can be planted so that they'll find Jesus and follow him. Saturday, May 11, the Cross Point 5K to benefit birthright here in Taunton. That's going to happen uh, real soon. Um, <clears throat> we'll, be, you'll, uh, we'll have some more announcements about that soon. That's, that's how we're going to serve. That's one uh, among many ways we're hoping to serve in our community. Uh, so worship in community, uh, groups in community, serve in community. Fourthly, give in community. When we were talking about giving uh, on purpose, we said that we wanted to give intentionally. We're recognizing, we're just taking a real quick, uh, a, a quick look at, at what's going on in our lives and how God is blessing us and the things that he's doing. And we, we look around and we, we say again, God, I, I'm not that good. I don't deserve what you're doing in my life here. I'm intentionally giving back to you because I'm grateful and I'm thankful. But then uh, <clears throat> giving on purpose looks like that. But then giving over time is giving consistently. God, you, you, you just keep on giving. I, I give to you and you give more. That's, that's what happens. And so I just give consistently because that's what you do. And you do it all the time. You're more faithful than I am, God. That, that's how this works all the time. And so I'm going to not just give intentionally because I'm grateful. I'm going to give consistently because I'm still grateful uh, in all that. And so uh, that's giving on purpose and then giving over time. Therefore, giving in community, community means to give expectantly. God, I've seen the work you've done in my life. I'm now giving. To, I can't wait to see what you do. I can't wait to see what you do with this 5K. I can't wait to see what you do on Easter when we have to park in the, in the tire place down the street uh, because there's, there's just not enough room and people are coming and people are growing and, and people are, uh, God, I, I didn't realize that what I gave would actually provide that, but it is and you are. And that's why we give expectantly in community. So we worship in community, we do the groups in community, we serve in community, give in community, and lastly, we invite. Do you know, uh, four weeks from now, from today, is going to be Easter. And um, it quite possibly is the number one Sunday that people 
would be more inclined to go to church than any other Sunday, including Christmas celebrations. It's the one time where people will say, yeah, I'll go to church on Easter. We'll do that. We're gearing up to have a great uh, day, Easter Sunday, April 21st. But I'm encouraging you to think about your community when you invite. I had asked you when we were inviting on purpose to think about one I had asked you when I said to invite, to invite over time to be able to share your story because you've now established a, a relationship, even minor, with someone and, and they're asking more and more questions and over time you're able to share the story that you have of what God has done in your life. And then when you see the difference that it makes, you just think about more. You actually focus on more. How can we get more people to find and follow Jesus. That is who we are. This is us. It's everything that we're working toward. And it's us working together. It's you and I doing the things that God has put us in such a place and such a time with, with, with such an opportunity as this. Remember what Paul said. He said that God is making his appeal through us. That's what he's doing. Now, let me tell you what this does not mean. It doesn't mean that we've got it all together. It doesn't mean that we are the most amazing people ever. All right? That we have all the answers, that we've broken the code of how uh, to do church the right way or how to follow God the right way because there's not a person who has or will. What we are saying is not what we have done, but look at what God has done. Look at what he's rescued me from. Look at what he's prevented me from doing. Look at how he's blessed my life. Look at how he's encouraged me. Look at how he's taken care of me. Because you know I'm not that good. You know I'm not that smart. But notwithstanding my own weaknesses, God seems to be working through my weaknesses so that he could appeal to anyone at any time through me. Because we're no longer the pump. We're just the pipe that God flows through. And that's what this is all about. He is making his appeal through us through us. And we get to do this. We get to do this. We get to have a blast and make a difference in people's lives. This is us. This is what we do. Quite some time ago, um, we were at Leslie's mom's house and one of her sister's old boyfriends had to happen to show up. You're saying, what in the world? Why in the world would, why in the world would Leangela's old boyfriend show up? Well, it was a few years after uh, uh, Leslie's dad had passed away and uh, an old boyfriend had become uh, a local sheriff's deputy and he would just stop in and check on Leangela just to, See, uh, excuse me, to check on mom just to see how she was doing from time to time. And, um, uh, but he was a canine officer. 
And um, his dog was absolutely amazing. Just a great, great dog. And he was a canine officer before he was married and obviously before kids. And he had really, really good kids. And someone asked him one time, how come he had such good kids? And he said, because he trained them exactly the way he trained his dog. <clears throat> you ever see one of those dogs at work? They are absolutely amazing. And the person who's in charge of that dog has the power to make them wag their tail so powerfully that it just, you'd think it might just fall off. But that person who's also training them has the power to discipline them. And you watch that, just their whole body just shrinks down. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. And if you watch the trainer walk over, and sometimes all it takes is a little touch on the nose. Just a Maybe it's a gentle pat on the head. The dog is so thrilled that the master still loves him. Try that with your kids. <laughs> don't put a leash on. Don't, no, that's not what I'm saying. When they've done something they know they've done wrong, you can t- still tell them that you love them. And then if you had to choose, if you had all the kids in the world to choose from, you'd still choose them every time because you love them. And when they do well, you tell them, I am so proud of you. You did such a good job today. Do you know how good that feels? Some of you are grown and still want to hear that from your own parents. You do. And God does it every day. I'm so proud of you. You've grown so much. You've come farther than you know. You've chosen very, very well. And even that day when you were having a real hard day and you thought or said or did something you probably shouldn't have thought or said or did. I still love you. That's why we do what we're about to do every single Sunday. Every single Sunday, we have communion. Communion is a time to remember how much God loves us. How much Jesus did for us. Do you remember what Paul said at that section of Scripture in Corinthians? He said that he made our sins go to Jesus. He reconciled, to use that banking language, he took things that were in our account, debts that were in our account, and he applied them to Jesus. So we go from being overwhelmed in debt to being completely liberated and blessed. And we take that small cup of juice and that small piece of bread that represents the body of Jesus that hung on the cross and took away our debt. Because we sang a minute ago, he's never going to let me down. You are good. Good. Oh, you're so good. He loves us. And he means it. 
And we can't wait to, other, to let other people know the same thing. If the guys who are going to uh, pass the communion trays out, if you'd go on back there and get those, I'm going to pray. And I want you just to remember how good God is and what he's done for you and still is doing for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us how much you love us. Thank you for reminding us how much you love us. Lord, we are literally not able to list all the ways that you love us. In fact, we're so overwhelmed with our busy weeks that sometimes we forget how much you love us, which is why we're so glad that you asked us to remember what you've done. And so, Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Lord, help us even now to think of someone who needs to know how much you love them. Lord, give us the opportunity and the courage, even the words to say, to help them learn to know how much you love them. Thank you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.